electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. The market does appreciate CPI today in line and the first crack below 5% in two years. Uh, the June rate hike odds fall to about 10% amid this flurry of corporate results both today and tonight. Our roadmap begins with the macro picture. CPI better than feared, notching, as we said, lowest read since 2021 and no D.C. deal yet as a debt default looms. Plus, Airbnb's cautious outlook shares are slumping as the company forecasts fewer bookings and lower prices in the second quarter. And we are keeping a close eye on the EVs. Rivian's losses shrink. Tesla's Texas output hits 5000 a week. And BYD cutting prices on its top-selling sedans. Let's begin with that market reaction to CPI. As we said, 4.9 year-on-year in headline, 5.5 five on core, Jim. Uh, used cars actually up for the first time in several months, up four. Yeah, I've been struggling over that. Uh, new cars actually are in both in abundance and also you're getting much better uh, credit terms. And so I don't really... I mean, if you wanted to look at what I think May would be, that's going to be down. Uh, I also think that I've, I've begun to take a lot of issue with the compilation of these things. For instance, I do a lot of work on apparel. It's going back to Matt Boasso on this from J.P. Morgan. But apparel's up in price, and yet there is no, there is no single piece of clothing that's up in price. So how did they get that? Fuel. Fuel is barely down, and yet... Uh, gasoline is down more than a buck and a quarter from a year ago. So even the areas that are, with the exception of rent, that are up are, I think, poorly tabulated. And I, like, honestly, you, know, you can say that, there's, that they're just wrong all the time, so so what? But I just think that this is a very, very positive number for the Fed and what they're doing. Kind of flies in the face of what uh, Mr. Williams said yesterday. It, this is, David, uh, the beginning of what I find to be an almost universal categorical decline in every single price. Um, Sarah uh, was with Williams yesterday yeah. uh, in Midtown, and I'm told that we actually uh, uh, have some sound from that interview. We should we should take a listen because he perhaps had a somewhat different view than we yes. heard. First of all, we haven't said we're done raising rates. What we're signaling is we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we achieve our goals. And we're going to assess what's happening in the economy and make the decisions based on that data. Uh, and if additional policy firming is appropriate, then you know we'll do that. So I do not see in my baseline forecast any reason to cut interest rates this year. So well, no cuts this year, according to him. Well, look, maybe the data that, maybe the data are irrelevant. What do you mean? Well, if you listen to Stan Druckenmiller, he would say, look, they, they've inflated us to the point where this doesn't really matter. It's just a, ca- a catastrophic development. Now, if you go back to 2022, uh, he said the same thing. He said there'd be a big bubble. We do have a bubble. These numbers may not be convincing enough to the Fed, which wants to see more than just a month or two. But, the, Carl, the, the fact is, is that almost every calculation is incorrect. You don't trust the data. 
the data is empirically wrong. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland Fed was even hotter than uh, than the event than yeah. this print came I out. Mean, well, you know, look, okay, so you have you. I do a lot of work with utilities. I've spoken to utilities of, for 40 million people in this country, and the utilities shows very uh, barely down, but natural gas has been cut in half. So, I mean, I don't know how I, I'm stuck with what I do. But I had. Um, Exxon the other day, American Electric Power. These are very big transmission yeah, companies. Very they're, big electric companies. They're not getting any numbers like this. So, I mean, like, we can just we can just say that, I mean, these numbers are not put together by Salesforce, okay? They're not put together by, uh, by Google. Uh, they're put together by a group of people who are tabulating, making a lot of phone calls. Well, I make a lot of phone calls. I make better phone calls than they make. You make better phone calls than the, than the staff at the... Uh, That's good. Yeah. Ahead, really? Yeah, I do. All in one day. No, I just do nothing but make these. I've made <laughs> no, my I, life completely miserable I in order have, to be able to do I better have, than they do. I have witnessed you working when you're not on set, and well, it is a thing to behold. Uh, uh, what it about never this? ends. That said, I mean, this is no, their no, job, no. their full-time job. Okay. You're busy talking to Jason, what's his name, about getting a, getting a, thank you, getting a, you know, getting a line on the debt ceiling. You're what? talking to brokers in New Mexico about land there. You're okay. not focused solely on this. That's what they are. Don't Am- forget his spirits, Brent. Okay. Yes. And, okay. And you're selling Who mezcal. Talking? I'm talking to Amazon. I'm talking to Walmart. I'm talking to Target. I'm talking to Kohl's. I'm talking to Macy's. I'm talking to TGX. I'm talking to Burlington. I don't know. Who am I not talking to? <laughs> Tell um, me who I'm not talking to. Well, not I'll talk talking. to them, too. The guy I mean, who run, of, runs the bodega down the street. From, with, I mean, none of those is telling me that, tech, that apparel's up. Heck, I talked to Ollie's. I mean, I don't even know who else to talk to. I try to put together a pastiche, if not a mosaic of prices. Okay, and so, again, give us your conclusion from well, all those phone calls down. that you make. I'm saying apparel's down, and they say apparel's up. I want to know where apparel's up. I just, I mean, I, tell me. I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you, across the street is Hermes. Apparel's up. <laughs> Maybe they're overweighting the Hermes. Yeah. LVMH house up. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what's I, I, interesting that goes along with this is the B of A card spend data today. Uh, total per household down one in April. That's the first drop yep, in, since go. February of 21. And a lot of that's happening at the high end. Yes. Where pay, uh, pay growth is not uh, what it's right. been at the low end. And look, I'm David, I clearly speak in hubris. But what I am saying is, is that you have to believe in the Druckmiller, you have to believe Stan Druckmiller's view, which is that it's all a bubble and these numbers are just kind of Lilliputian. Uh, because if you actually believe that these numbers are, if you're data dependent, you're struggling over how, how uh, tight you should be because um, you're winning. You mentioned Stan Druckmiller, uh, obviously um, well-known originally, way back when from when he working with pound. George Soros. and. Right quantum, but uh, clearly a, a great investor in his own right, or at least one we want to listen to. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes we say great investors are billionaire investors. Really, their only talent is actually raising money oh. and trailing the S&P. I mean, oh. that is the no, case no, for so look, many. I, I, so I, many. I went through his delivering alpha presentations, okay? Yes. I, I would go so, far, go so far as saying he is a broken record, but that the broken record's right. But here's the issue, and this is the case with many a strategist from the top or, or practitioner. He's right. Inflation's been terrible. But you've made a killing if you owned the right stocks. Right. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it's like I took, a, I, I studied with Otto Eckstein and, and Galbraith at, at Harvard, okay, because I'm really smart. Everything they said was correct. And I invested the, the Jesus during the period, and I made a lot of money. But I was wrong in making the money. 
See, because they told me I was wrong. But in the end, I didn't have any debt when I finished. So why? Because I chose to where here's where I'm going. Yeah, please. It's entirely possible drug promotion. Absolutely right. But that doesn't have anything to do with what we do for a living. It may not. It's always worth listening to him. He does tend towards being sort of scary when he talks. And this well, is what he let me. Uh, this yep, is what yeah, he had to say you yesterday. Know, I'm just being. I'm being at, problematic. At the conference, he was talking here really about the banking crisis and his con- continued concerns for what may happen. Take a listen. Before we even get into an economic contraction, many of the banks already have impaired balance sheets. If you pile on. Um, losses in commercial real estate, credit card losses, the stuff that normally happens in recessions. And you take the fact that we have had this big asset bubble going into it. And you take the fact that we just had the most rapid increase in interest rates from the bottom in in history. I think it's just naive not be open-minded to something really, really bad happening. Again, it is not my forecast be open-minded to something really, really bad happening. Again, here he's talking more about the banking industry, although saying right. it's not his forecast. This is not specific to what you were talking about in terms of the view of inflation. No, but in 2022, he was interviewed, an excellent interview by, by our own Joe Kernan, and he said, one of the things he said is, when I make a mistake, I admit that I made a mistake. I've made many mistakes. Well, did Jay Powell not do the same thing? He admitted that he made a mistake. He didn't come out and say, I made a mistake, but he pivoted radically. He did what what Stan, Stanley wanted him to do. But Stanley did not change his view. He just continued to say that things are going to be bad. And I can invest in that thesis, or I can invest in NVIDIA, which has come up with a brand new technology which could radically lower the price of inflation to the corporation level. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Wendy's today, and what did Wendy's do? Wendy's is theoretically going to get rid of the person who speaks to you in the drive-thru, because they've got some, something that that Jensen Wong created that speaks 28 languages and is incapable of making a mistake. So why do you need a human? Now, I know that at one point, McDonald's told me they want the human touch. And that's terrific. The human touch is great. But you know what's better than the human touch? Accuracy. Again, getting it right every time. Your point being that that the productivity increases that may be coming, and we heard Jan Hatzis talk about this the other day as a possibility from generative AI, are going to be quite significant. Yeah, Therefore, I think so. Yeah, I look forward to that. I think uh, especially so. Especially the color. They talked to the journal yesterday, but that's going to be interesting. And no breaks, right? I mean, they don't need, no, they they don't need, need lunch. Breaks. They don't need breaks. Yeah. Todd took a, the bait here. Todd Pendergar, he's going to be on tonight. Uh, as well as uh, Michelle Cruz-Cabrera and Nelson Peltz. Wendy's people. On the board. That's yes. right. Well, they uh, they read the through. What, they went, by the way, to Alphabet to get it done. Uh, they, I understand, initially may have gone to NVIDIA and Jensen Wong, Scott Partners. So I just think for this type of thing, that alphabet, maybe it's got going for yep. it. Uh, Google I.O. is today. We'll be watching for news for developers. Uh, debt ceiling, by the way, uh, the showdown continues. The president and congressional leaders met yesterday to discuss raising the limit as they seek to avoid a potential default as early as June. But he and Speaker McCarthy do remain at an impasse. The speaker insisted on tying spending cuts to a ceiling increase, while the president says there should be no strings attached. Officials have agreed to resume talks on Friday. And more importantly, guys, uh, the staffs will meet with even more frequency. That's lending some, I don't know, is it reassurance? Probably too strong a word. No, look, I think that the president dropped this uh, 14-4. You look at the fourth... uh, corollary of the 14th Amendment, it just says basically that 
well, whatever the president wants to do in this, must do. And this is Lawrence Tribe, who... Yes, yeah, uh, Tribe wrote oh, that. Oh, by the way, whom I studied with Did you study I studied with, with, with every tribe? clown. No, he's not a clown. He's a brilliant man. And what he did was he changed his mind from 2011. And yes. Says this time. I referenced that the other day. The, the, you uh, got this so right. I, well, I read it. You know, I actually read it over the weekend. Well, you see, you read the op-ed, op-ed page. Yes, I did. But I just or, say the president mentioned this. Right. And what this says is take me to court. I don't care what you say. I'm going to pay. Well, the president also says we will not default, didn't he, Carl? Well, I mean, he said it very you know, specifically. Uh, he also um, said uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily take off the table uh, rescinding some of the unspent COVID money. No. So there is some stuff in the middle getting Well, I think that I can't say that if you're an investor and you're going to sell everything on this, I think it's a mistake because I think that there's multiple ways to get around this. Uh, but I think it. This idea that uh, that Janet Yellen said that you know, we're deadbeat nation, you know, we're a very rich nation. We obviously have too much debt, but you know, David. Well, she what, didn't say we are. She said we would would be. be a deadbeat nation. But when we compare our stock market to, we compare Apple to the size of other stock markets. Yes, Bob did that yesterday, and I still continue to be surprised by the minuscule overall market capitalization of the German stock market. I can't oh. imagine that it's that small. All their stocks traded like six times earnings. It doesn't make, it's crazy. What, what are their big components? I mean, is it Deutsche and BASF? They got Siemens. Or? They got uh, the automakers. They've got Bayer. I don't know, Bayer. Um, they got a lot of huge companies there. How could that be possible that it's half the size of Apple's market cap? What, what you mean, like it's just wrong? You're just... Well, I did question it, yes. But even if it's off by some, it's not off by that much. Maybe Apple is that big. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you could buy the entire market capitalization of Germany. Maybe Ted Lasso's equal to 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 buyer, yeah, maybe, buyer, right? Yeah. Maybe. Did you watch uh, Shrink? Shrinkage? Yeah. Shrinking. That, that shrinking. shrinking. That that could be Mercedes. Shrinking. <laughs> right, that could be Mercedes. They're buying out. I, 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 I lost the thread. He liked it. I after They're four, four point one rate. After four episodes, Deutsche I bank. didn't Deutsche. like it. I I went through it. Four point one rate yeah. that, that Apple's offering. Yeah. Uh, how does that compare to what you get in Germany? I, I don't know, Jim. Yeah. I we know Marcus is now matching it. Marcus, yes. did you see that? Marcus matched itself because they're Marcus. <laughs> they are Marcus. Right, it's Goldman anyway. Good, I'm glad. I like Marcus. When we come back, a tough morning for shares of Airbnb, down about 13% pre-market. Don't miss an exclusive with the GM CEO, Mary Barra, as well, as we take a look at uh, the futures. And we'll get to all kinds of earnings, including uh, Oxy, EA, Affirm, Upstart, Win, and a lot more. Don't go away. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. 
specialised across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. The hotel CEOs have said they expect demand to drive prices up this summer. We want to actually have prices moderate. We think that's going to bring in a whole new generation of travelers to Airbnb. So ultimately, I think that like, that's a very, very important consideration of the marketplace. The more affordable we are, just like Amazon, the more affordable we are with the wider selection, the more people will come to Airbnb. That's Brian Chesky on last night's earnings call. The stock is taking a hit, though, in the pre-market as the guidance overshadows a pretty good beat on uh, free cash flow, uh, EBITDA, revenue bookings. Don't miss the first on CNBC interview with Chesky at 11 a.m. Eastern time, Jim. They are twice as big in uh, gross bookings and revenue than they were pre-pandemic. There's a plethora of uh, data uh, and a storyline that Brian tells, and it's all positive until you get to page 15 of his letter, which says Knights and Experiences book will have an unfavorable year-over-year comparison. Uh, adjusted EBITDA to be similar to adjusted EBITDA on a nominal basis, lower on a margin basis. Well, these are, uh, in, in, with another company, with Brian, if I didn't like Brian so much, I would call these simply disastrous. Instead, I'd say they're suboptimal. What happened? Did they explain it? Um, no. No? That's why I think it might be a good interview. They didn't explain it because everything about this is bullish until right. you get to their outlook. Right. It's kind of like, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great. But you know what? Um, it's not really great, it's not really great, it's not really great. I mean, honestly, I, I found his outlook, and I think Brian's an honest, good guy, but his outlook is completely out of sync with everything else that he says in the quarter. And it's very difficult to fathom how you could have such a negative outlook with so many things being positive. So there's a lot of things to ask in that interview. Uh, Morgan Stanley does reiterate an underweight. They go to 95. Yeah. Certainly not backed up in wins results, by the way. Best April in the history of the win Las Vegas. Look, I'm so glad you mentioned this. It's a piece that I'm working on for, uh, for Mad Money. Some people got it right. Win uniquely uh, bought stock in the 50s, cut the dividend when they knew that they were going to be in trouble, husbanded their cash, and is now going all out in Boston, in Vegas, in Macau, they did it totally right. Airbnb did it totally wrong. And so some managers are better, even though the win, the win team is extraordinary. That that quarter was incredible. They got it right. And Brian, whom I respect so much and has been on Mad Money all the time, his outlook was just really abysmal. Talk to him at 11. I'll see what that's all about. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Take another look here at futures still in the green after that CPI came in at least no worse than feared and that 4-9 year-on-year number getting outsized attention. Don't go away. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, we get started with trading seven and a half minutes from now. Here's a mad dash, by the way. Let's, uh, Twilio is the name. When people buy 
insiders, Ooh, when they buy. That's not okay. Well, no, but when insiders buy, you tend to think they know what they're doing. Jeff Lawson, who is a terrific guy and helped me learn how to code, uh, bought $10 million worth of Twilio, uh, and that was Feb 24th, okay? So that caused a very big spike, because why would someone who knows his business better than anyone buy $10 million? That is not an insubstantial paint-the-tape story. Well, it turned out that business was sharply worse than expected. They says we're feeling the impact of a broader slowdown. They missed the numbers big. So if you bought on his insider buy, what you didn't realize was that he was too bullish about his own company. Jim, they seem to have some trouble forecasting. The con- well, no, they do. The what happened there? I mean, that's twice in a year now you're going to get. Their business slowed. I mean, their business slowed it. They have this a product. slowed, and then they kind of, you know. Yeah, then it came back. Well, this is actually. your point. Right, and th- it was a macro story this time. I, this time he was a little more uh, saying it was his fault, okay? And this time it was the economy's fault. Now, the one thing we know about the economy is, is that there is some, some companies are being hurt more than others by the Fed tightening. And his, which I would have thought, uh, his caters to small business is really terrific. You can basically get a, a build a clientele off okay. of what he does. And I love the product. But the fact is, is that, well, you know, he bought a lot of stock and it turned out to be, let's call it a mistake. Yes. I'm enjoying making circles today. Well, I mean, this is this. That's not good. This is the when problem you are with buying this stock up there. Right. This is the problem with this market. What you really wanted to buy in this market are counterintuitive. You wanted to buy big industrial stocks. You wanted to buy home stocks. And you wanted to get rid of the companies that were doing things that made it so small businesses were doing better. But look at a firm, by the way, for small individuals. Not that good. No. I, I just find that the reason I bring this out is it shows you things are a little harder than you think when insiders are so wrong. Right. All right. We'll keep an eye on shares at Twilio. We've got a lot more for you. Opening bell uh, about five and a half minutes from now. By the way, we're also going to have an exclusive with Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel. Looking at him right now. We'll join him. He'll join us a few minutes from now. Stay with us. Last year, the supply, supply chain was a real challenge. It was moving around a lot. Now we've really understand all of our, all of our constraints, and power semiconductors is, is still our biggest constraint. That's Rivian's R.J. Scarron, John Squawk, this morning after the EV maker had a narrower-than-expected quarterly loss, Jim, and their guidance for the full year remains unchanged. Right. I, I, going back and forth with Phil LeBeau, who knows this industry better than anyone, they're the real one. They uh, versus Fisker, David, I, yeah. I, I think that they're real. Rawlinson. Uh, uh, Lucid. I, I, I Yesterday, shares of Lucid were down rather sharply right? because they, you know, the 10,000 number that they're using for deliveries this year is not what originally had been hoped for. But these are the people who and, might really think that you can bank one. But the key in this industry at this point for all of these startups is how quickly can you get to profitability? How much cash do you have and how much are you going to burn? They still have $11 billion, They I have think, a lot of cash. At Rivian. They, Obviously, they raised as much as $12 billion in the IPO and a lot more than that on top of it. Um, but they're but they're burning through it, too. Right, but they're in demand. Remember, Amazon said they buy everything that they could make, and I don't know. I was impressed. I think that not everybody in this business is 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 going to be in a situation where they're going to come hat in hand. I think Rivian is is a winner. Interesting. Uh, Barclays reiterates an overweight. Although they do trim, they were at 28. They go to 22. And we'll talk to Mary Bala this morning about the auto business and 
just know that when you have a product that you have ready buyers, that's a lot different from Tesla cutting and raising. I mean, what did, te- did Tesla cut or raise today? There's the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange with the big board. It's Equitable Holdings celebrating its fifth listing anniversary and of the NASDAQ, Brazil-based Sigma Lithium. Speaking well, of which, well, Albemarle is coming back, and that's been a big win. I remember at the beginning of a lot of the conference calls, you had these angry words from Elon Musk saying, boy, if you should all get into the lithium business, and everybody did. And Albemarle is doing a very good job. That's when you And there's some it. consolidation, I think, going on among yes. some of the lithium yeah. uh, companies yeah. as well. I sure. think, do you think he meant... The lithium business, meaning the 300 meg that you have to take before you go to bed? <laughs> I, I, I don't. Oh, okay. I just I don't. To. Well, that's an excellent point, Jim, because here we are back at 4150, right? None of the bulls believe you can really get past 4200. I know. And none of the bears want to press their shorts too much. Well, I know that I had Carly Garner's uh, work on you. She's one of my absolute favorite technicians. She says the shorts are at a level high. That they are just the highest they've been in years. Uh, I think that there's a Druckenmiller short, and I, I, you know, again, uh, Stanley's right. It just doesn't translate to that board. Okay. I would rather be wrong and translate to that board than be right and be a uh, an economic politician. I just I'm stuck with the four walls of the spreadsheet of American business. And it ain't bad. Uh, earnings and yields have both been working. Right? Yes. They, it's not been too right. destructive on either front. Exactly. I mean, the country that is bigger than Germany continues to go up. That being Apple. Oh, yes. Yeah. The country of Apple. Hey, you know what? Why don't we just call them countries? Wouldn't that make it easier? You know, kind of like the game. Remember that game you would play it diplomacy? Is. Yes. Well, Apple's moving on. Bulgaria right it now. It is up 33.5% this year, shares of Apple. $2.7 trillion market value. I mean, Warren, Berkshire Hathaway's position alone is so enormous, it's hard to even think about. What do they have, 900 and as he says, million it just, shares? It just gets a bigger and bigger percentage because of the buyback, which is pretty voluminous. And remember, the most wistful moment of the whole call was when he admitted that he had sold some incorrectly. Meantime, Jim, I know you commented on Salesforce yesterday, but 206 now, uh, and that's going to help lead the S&P this morning. Right. Well, I went back and forth with Mark uh, Benioff yesterday, and they did have a big Tableau conference. Now, it's Tableau, by the way, uh, Tableau and Slack versus Microsoft. Now, a lot of people feel that Microsoft Teams has a big edge right now, but yesterday was Mark's turn to speak, and he told him that he had a very compelling conference. I can show you, David, I can, look at this. Showing David a picture of Einstein. Now, who do they have up at Microsoft? These guys have Einstein. They got Einstein. Maybe they have Mozart up there. Mozart be good. That's a very cute little Einstein they got. Yeah, I like that. That's a 55% year-to-date. I don't think that's that's not shabby. That is not shabby. And remember, David, the activists caused him to focus a little more. They they seem to. Everybody can claim victory here, I guess, because... um, the activists all showing up last fall and through yeah. the early part of the winter. We talked so much about it, but well, his willingness to attach himself to specific margin improvements right. of a significance 
really fueled this stock price, Jim. Victory um, is a thousand fathers. This is now a more than $200 billion market value company. I remember it was added to, to Dow Jones and Mark Benioff was so happy. And I said, it's a curse. Be very, very careful. Like the old days, we had like a sports military curse. And then it did nothing but go down right after it got added. And I remember sitting there talking, he goes, oh, my God, I got added to Dow. It's just really hard. It's like so visible. And now here you go. Uh, Moffitt's got a list of uh, AI winners today, Jim. Oh. Uh, they name Microsoft, Cloudflare, yeah. CrowdStrike, and Intuit, among some others. I think that they're one for one for four there. Look, I had Matthew Prince on, and uh, Cloudflare, uh, no, uh, they, they struggled this quarter. Uh, CrowdStrike, I prefer Palo Alto. They do more AI than, than CrowdStrike on, on, uh, for Cloudflare. Uh, cybersecurity, but Microsoft is so is, is is really powerful, and we've not heard from teams in AI. And when we do, I think we're going to say Microsoft stock deserves to be appreciably higher because Teams is going to lead to a lot of Azure growth. Mm. Azure being what we really need if you're a Microsoft bull to increase, and it will. It will. Yeah, AI, you know, look, we, we all laugh at it. I mean, I don't laugh at it. What are you talking about? Well, no, I'm just saying that it's overly used. Like, I don't think it can be overly used. I, I you know, it's, it is going to be a seminal change in so much. Uh, well, no, I, you didn't look, see I, me sitting here talking about crypto every hey, other look, minute the way back. so many people chose to. What about the metaverse? Or the metaverse, the, the, which I, I think forget, I actually don't forget what, took an appropriate the, 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 Wait, do you see Thank you, Carl. <laughs> but on AI, I'm all in, man. Okay, this good. is going to be... I came back from my pilgrimage from Jensen Wong two years ago. Your pilgrimage. And I said, pilgrimage. And I said, the whole world's going to change. This is... We are going to sit in the fourth row of the Globe Theater and watch the originals do Henry the Fourth Part Two. Okay, I remember you doing that. Nobody understood what you were no, talking see, about. Now everyone's in the fourth Nobody row. Nobody had a it. clue what you were now, talking now about. Now they're watching Beyonce from Den from Denmark for uh, sixteen hundred kroners. <laughs> Guys, uh, I did want to get to a deal today because I thought it was interesting. Hold um, on, can I guess for it? a number of reasons. Um, Sinios Health is getting acquired by a bunch of uh, private equity firms. It's a club deal, if you want to call it that. It's a $7.1 billion enterprise value, so about $4.4 billion equity value, add in debt as well. Led by Elliott, uh, the price 43, perhaps something of a disappointment to some out there. It was originally reported that this company was for, for sale much earlier this year, and so the price had moved up. But it's a challenge company uh, in many ways. And in fact, what I've uh, heard from people familiar with the situation is that it was a very broad auction, meaning a lot of people came and took a look. But it wasn't an overly competitive auction, meaning very few chose to actually bid. So a lot of PE firms may have passed. Elliott had been there as an activist. Uh, and they end up buying it as a, uh, along with Patient Square and Veritas. They've teamed up with Veritas in the past, in fact, on Athena Health which also was a turnaround oh. of sorts that worked out very well for Elliott. Why am I focused on this deal? Well, first of all, we don't see that many of this size in this market at this point. That said, I am hearing that there's a lot more sponsor activity than perhaps people might think, particularly in healthcare. But I also wanted to look, as I often like to do, at the structure of the financing for the transaction, because I spent a lot of time talking in late of the, in the last year of the growth of private credit but I would note here, it's an over-equitized deal, $4 billion equity check from these three firms. But you're also talking about raising $3.7 billion from banks. Remember them? They used to finance all these things called leverage buyouts. 
and then they kind of went away and suddenly it was always Blackstone or Apollo or Aries or Blue Owl or, you know, you name it, coming in. Well, it's banks. By the way, 11 of them, which seems kind of reflective of the current environment where nobody wants to make too large a, too large a commitment. Remember the day somebody could have stepped up for this entire thing, one bank? This is 11 banks, guys including Goldman and UBS and BMO and Wells and Jefferies and Citigroup and Macquarie and Nataxis and Truist. You go on and on here, but they're stepping up. And so that is interesting as well. Uh, as for the company, Jim, it's, it, it's one of these companies, again, that does outsourced trial management for big pharma. Um, it hasn't done particularly well. It's had some performance challenges. There's been some management turnover, some self-inflicted wounds. But there you have a deal. So the hope is they take it private, they turn things around, and then, as they did with Athena, they are able to come back to the market at a, or, or sell it to another buyer, as was the case, because Athena didn't go public, uh, so, for a much higher price. So th- for trials? Yeah. That is one of the most competitive, I'd say miserable markets in the world. You can pit different companies and get lower price for trials like you've never been able to do. And that may be one reason why these guys have suffered. I cannot believe that anyone would want to be in that business. And or you also have to be pristine because no Pfizer or Merck, they're not going to want to deal with you if there's any blemishes on your record of conducting a trial. It's the last thing they want to do. Oh, because then the FDA is kiss of death. Right. Um, I would point out, Carl, as well, Centerview did this auction. I've never seen a firm dominate one area like, like Centerview has in banking when it comes to selling biotechnology or pharma companies. I think they've done over 40 deals since 2019 of over a billion. And Their next eight competitors don't add up to that number. Young people that I deal with, holy cow, that's where they want to work. That's where they want over to work. Over and over and over again. Yeah. So, that's good, cool. Stuff. They got that going for me. Jim, what do you make of um, both Akamai and Upstart? Some of these names that are kissing the 200-day for the first time in months. Well, uh, Akamai, uh, just, they, they perform so well in the interview this morning uh, on Squawk Box was truly monumental how well they're doing. And they're doing it in cybersecurity. They're not doing it in content management. That's important because content management has become a difficult game. They're up against Cloudflare. Uh, but their cybersecurity was was monstrous, and I really, really like that. A firm, I happen to think a firm's doing a good job. No, that and Upstart, too. Upstart's doing Upstart. well. Okay, so Upstart's a short squeeze. squeeze. Uh, yeah, they just did better. I thought a firm did better and people didn't like it. I think they're wrong. But these were all good. Uh, but uh, Akamai in particular was really great for cyber, which was a very good read-through, by the way, for Palo Alto Networks. And then yesterday, Palantir was commercial. So I thought all three were good. Now, I know the people, they're probably, I don't know where Upstart is right now, but I, I really felt that Upstart got a bad break in terms of the narrative, because Max Levchin is doing everything he can to become more profitable, as is Upstart. And they liked it with Upstart, and they didn't like it with a firm, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Some of the guidance there, a lot of narrower-than-expected losses yes. this morning. Yes. We're seeing a lot of that. Speaking of read-throughs, um, people wanted to use Six Flags as a read-through to Disney tonight. Is that overdoing it? Yeah, I mean, Six Flags... They don't have a. Do they have a streaming? They don't yet. They have not gotten into the oh, streaming business. I mean, the streaming yet. business is Netflix. I mean, the comparisons are always so. Remember when we heard comparisons were odious when we were growing up from our mothers? Well, they're not odious when it comes to Netflix versus Disney. So this is Bob Iger has to give us a roadmap 
that says the losses will, uh, will diminish and we're going to stick by our projection and have a dividend. My charitable trust owns it. I feel, feel very much that, that he can do that. But uh, the, costs ha- the costs have to come out. It makes you wonder exactly how great Netflix really is. It's rather remarkable company. All right. Uh, David has left the set. He's going to talk of some Endeavor with Ari Emanuel. Hey, David. Carl, that's right. Uh, shares of Endeavor this morning, slightly lower, really kind of, let's call it sort of even. The, this following the company's first quarter earnings, which were boosted by strength and demand for events and its own sports properties. Of course, that does include the UFC and professional bull riders. Don't forget them. Endeavor also announcing a stock buyback, issued its first quarterly dividend. And joining me now in a CNBC exclusive is Endeavor CEO, Ari Emanuel. It's good to have you here. Hey, David. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Are you good? Are you good. feeling good about where the company is? You've got a lot of different things going on, obviously. Yep. Chief amongst them, the WWE deal, which we'll talk about. How was the quarter? Quarter, I thought, was incredible. Um, we decided to do a stock buyback, a dividend. Yeah, why did you decide to do a stock buyback? Well, we, had, we just sold um, the IMG Academy. For 1.25 billion, about 16 months before that, we sold Endeavor content for a billion. We have a lot of financial flexibility, and um, it kind of talks to the value of the assets inside Endeavor, outside of the UFC, which everybody mainly focuses on. Actually, the funny thing is, 1.25 billion for the academy was greater than half of all of the acquisition of IMG. Crazy. And so I think people thought of us as empire builders, and we wanted to show to people we've been focused on debt reduction. We thought, we think the, the price on an event-driven business was low, so we wanted to buy some stock back. And for the first time, we have flexibility in our economics, so we thought a dividend was right, plus a little bit of additional pay down of uh, some debt. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're right uh, when you say that everybody wants to focus on yeah. UFC and WWE. But what also I hear from investors is they'd rather buy WWE to create TKO right. than buy Endeavor. Well, hopefully with, with this sale of the Academy, the sale of Endeavor content, two things that sold for a billion dollars in Endeavor content, IMG Academy for a billion two fifty. People realize, wait a second, there's really great assets inside remaining assets at Endeavor, which I, I think there are, of course, as a CEO. And uh, yes, there's unbelievable value in the pure play of sports and sports and entertainment with eventually with UFC and WWE. TKO will TKO, be uh, correct. the great symbol. Yeah. But all right, so how do you then sort of delineate for investors, you know, buy my stock instead of TKO? You know, that's a short-term problem, though once the company's kind of separate and we have the pure play and we have the rest, I think that will even itself out. Well, you'll not, still be controlling. Uh, you'll yes. still be controlling yes. TK. We, you'll still be the CEO. Correct. We, we'll, I'll be the CEO of both. Mark Shapiro will be the president of both. We'll consolidate into Endeavor. I think people will figure out where they want to put their money. But at Endeavor, between content, events, betting, I think there's unbelievable assets there. Hopefully, this proves these two sales, which people weren't really giving us a lot of value for, proves that there's value still remaining at Endeavor. Right. Um, and I'm sure you'll have no problem dealing with both Dana White and Vince McMahon. Actually, I've, I've, represented, I've represented UFC before we bought it for over 20 years, and the same thing's true with Vince. So you really don't think you're going to encounter any issues, No, so I mean, I, we have a good relationship. We're going to let them do what they want to do. Exactly. And we do what we do as it relates to saving some costs, 
driving some revenue with sponsorship, international sales like we did at UFC. We're going to do 2.0 at WWE. Well, well, actually, specific to TKO and WWE, what about sports rights there? I mean, and enhancing your ability to negotiate for the upcoming renewals. I'm not. Right now, we're focused on saving some costs, doing sponsorship, which they didn't have. This is the same formula we used at UFC in international rights. Uh, their rights are open now. We're in a year and a half from now. Um, I think uh, they're on separate time frames. So that they are. Yes. So right. So it's WWE first, then UFC. Yeah. And then you move on. From Correct. There. Yeah. Um, did you guys move out your expected uh, expectation of close there? Because I think in the original, when you announced the deal, it seemed like it would only be a number of months. But you sort of seem to be pushing it back. Are we, you know, we're waiting on DOJ. We, we, it, we're not pushing it back. Okay. You know, we're just waiting now. Um, all right, let's talk about the writer strike if we can. I okay. want to get your take on that. Uh, first of all, what is it going to mean for your firm if this thing goes on for a long period of time? Well, we listen, we support the writers. Um, I would say we haven't changed our guidance right now for the end of the year. Um, all of that's depending on duration. There's a lot of big issues, but duration is one of the big issues. Um, between, you know, royalties slash, you know, for, for the writers, writer's size of room, um, AI. Uh, there's a lot of big issues in there. There's, the complication is you have three streamers, Netflix, Apple, Amazon, and then you have traditional guys that are in the streaming business. So there's a lot of moving pieces. I'm not sure it's going that long, only because the directors are going to drive a hard bargain. They start, actually, their window is open to start negotiating now. Okay. Two is, if you think about, net, if you just look at Netflix, um, they actually, at the beginning, 2007, 2008, actually gave a lot more information on their user base and, and viewership, et cetera. And when they're now all moving to an ad-supported model also, the advertisers are going to want more information. It shouldn't be a hard leap to give it to the writers. It's the fair thing to do. I'm not sure why they're holding it up, but writer size, AI, a bunch of other issues are important. And, but do you say that it's, it's sort of a different negotiation given the presence of these direct-to-consumer platforms, pure play and or the ones Correct. who are hybrid, producing content for others, Correct. but also for their Correct. own service. I think you're going to need a, a, a strong, on the buy side, meaning the Disney's and the Netflix, a strong person like an Iger to get in there, who has both perspectives, been, a lo- been seen a lot of strikes like I have, yeah. to figure out a resolution here. And I think we'll get to it. And what about AI in terms of its ability to start writing scripts? I'm not worried about that. You're not that, not Because um, if they're writing scripts, first of all, I don't think you can recreate a Larry David or a Seth MacFarlane. I'm saying my clients or a Jim Brooks or Adam. I don't think that's that easy. And they deserve to be paid if somebody is replicating their business. If it's coming from an original point of view without a writer involved, I don't think the script is actually going to be to the quality and the, and the standard that it needs to be for an audience. And you seem, I, what I'm hearing is you seem somewhat optimistic that this could actually get resolved in the I, short term. I think you're going to have, um, I think you're going to have a very tough negotiation with the directors, but I think you're going to get to a resolution. They're going to have to give data to advertisers with their a, with AVOD models. And so I think it's, they've done it before, and I think we'll, yeah. we'll get to a place. Finally, you know, you're, you're close to Elon Musk. 
uh, at least, I, yes. uh, you know, and I'm curious your views. Tucker Carlson comes out and says he's going to do a show on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's unclear whether that's going to happen. Musk mm-hmm. came out and said we haven't signed anything. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that platform could become something for shows like that and or others? I think he's now you can uh, DM person to person. He just came out with that information. I think you can make phone calls. So he's kind of replicating now the WhatsApp models, et cetera. Um, and I wouldn't put anything past him as it relates to video. I think one of his big issues, and you'll, you'll eventually he'll come out and say it, is he doesn't want everybody to come to the platform, then go over to YouTube and make money on YouTube. He wants them making money on platform. If that's the case, then I think he's got to permit video and the ability to monetize on platform. I wouldn't put anything by him. I think he's a pretty competitive person. Uh, as are you, Mr. Emanuel. We we'll certainly appreciate your taking a little time. Thank you. God bless. Thanks. Ari Emanuel from Endeavor. Carl, back Stay over healthy. You. I will Thanks, try. Uh, we'll, we'll go to break here. Watch bonds this morning as well. Obviously uh, important in the wake of CPI. You got the two-year right around 395 and the 10-year right around 345. Uh, lowest in a couple of days with uh, more data coming up later in the week. Dow has gone red, down 80. Don't go away. Jim, what's on Matt tonight? Okay, we have uh, Brunswick. I didn't get to see that last night. Um, we have Target. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tanger. This is where I get my apparel. This is all outlet stuff, and that, that should count. And then Wendy's. Geez, you know, we now have maybe AI at the drive-thru, which means that when my wife says she wants the Baconator, she gets the darn Baconator. <laughs> there will be no Asiatic cheese, you know, chicken sandwich. There'll be no mistake. And that's Baconator again. Oh, boy. But the machine understands Baconator. It doesn't give you. Absolutely. doesn't give you, I don't know, salad. We'll see you at 6, Jim. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. When we come back, an exclusive with GM's Mari Barra. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.